0: morning. No, this is fine. I am so excited uh, to be with you and to see so many people here. I had no idea uh, what to expect. I didn't know if it'd be me and three or four of you. uh, Driving in, seeing people crossing the street already was very encouraging, especially as we uh, consider the topic of prayer. I have 35 minutes with you and then you're going to around the tables or for those who are in the peanut gallery, you guys will just break into small groups and and discuss things that follow. But I want to begin by asking you to do something around the table already. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do two things. And I'm going to give you um, about two minutes per question, okay? And so this isn't a time for you to give your, your story of rescue, your narrative. It's just a time to answer as quickly as possible. So here's the first question. If you were to pick a verse in the Bible that says the most about prayer, what verse would you pick? Now, if you are new to this, you're like, I, I don't even know. Don't, don't be shy. Uh, don't be afraid. That's great. That we're, we're just glad you're here. I want every person, you know, around the table to be very comfortable with that. But I want you to go real quickly around the table. Say, so if you were to pick one verse that says the most about prayer, what would it be? You can say, skip me. I'm thinking about it, whatever you want. But around the table, I'm going to give you a minute and a half. I want you to do that starting in the back, just getting groups of four or five. All right, go. One verse. Or passage. (laughs) Okay, time's up. So, I know not everybody got to say their favorite verse, but just a few of you, uh, a verse or two from each table, or a few tables, what were some of the passages that you selected? I'm sure that's going to be common around the room. So, raise your hand and shout it out. Some verses. Yes? Okay, Garden of Gethsemane. Keep going. Pray without ceasing. I know Boots said that. I heard it. The Lord's Prayer, hard to go wrong. Luke 11. Uh, what else? Tracy's got a good one. Tracy, what is Matthew it? Is, uh, you can, by prayer mountains could be moved. By prayer, mountains could be moved. Okay. Any others? Psalm, I, 17. Psalm 17, and you could go down a long list of psalms, couldn't you? I'm going to bring a verse in a minute that I'll be curious to see if anybody picked. I would never pick it. Yet a guy named O. Halsby um, wrote a book titled Prayer. He said this verse speaks more about prayer maybe than any other verse in the whole Bible. Okay, now I want you to answer a different question. And this is really an important question. And it's actually the title that I was given this morning. And uh, what I want you to do is come up with as many answers as you can around the table. In fact, if somebody can write really fast, and I don't even care if it's legible, I just want you to just get it down. Why pray? That's the question. Why pray? Give me as many answers as you can. You have two minutes. Go. Okay. Time's up. Now I want you to, to picture yourself on an airplane. I, you know, I spoke about that Sunday morning. I'm going to be on an airplane in a couple hours, heading to Greensboro. And imagine you're sitting next to someone who's not a believer. And uh, you, you have a friendly conversation starting. And then they ask you that question. Why pray? What would you say? How, how quick would you be able to give a precise, meaningful, biblical, intimate answer that would make them, obviously with the illumination of the Holy Spirit say, I, I need to pursue this. Why pray? I'm gonna be honest. When I saw the title I was given Why pray? I quickly looked at it. In a sense, I did what I just asked you to do. And I began to make a long list of reasons to pray and ask the Lord, so it was in prayer, help me condense this into an outline. And then I got rebuked. I really did, in a gentle way by the Holy Spirit, who said, sit on this question. It's it's deeper than you think. And don't just sit on it in order to prepare for Tuesday morning. Sit on it all summer. Why pray? So give me some of your answers. Uh, if, if you were the one writing at your table, just rattle off three or four of them. Why pray? Okay, Michael, go ahead and say a little. Give me your list. Just go for it. Okay, good. Somebody else. Tracy's got a list. Tracy. It's a, it's a most uh, relationship with Talk God. loud. Obedience, communication, uh, comfort. Pinker. That was Cub. <laughs> Sometimes when I pray, I hear his voice too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, make my will known to God. Intercession. Uh, he speaks back to me when I pray. I heard you say that. I like it. God he speaks back to me. Mm-hmm. Peace, healing, protection, health. Okay, somebody else. Yes, Grant. Uh He commands it that we communicate with God, we build a relationship with Him. We need His help, we need to praise Him. We worship Him, we respond to Him, and also because Jesus prayed. Has anybody heard anything wrong okay. yet? And, and I don't think we would. You you are able to give a long list of reasons why we should pray. Why pray? I also think we will learn a lot about how we view God by the, the answer that we come up with pretty quickly. Some of you probably went right to duty. He commands it. That's really warm and intimate. But he does. Others of you went the opposite direction. You you didn't think so much of the king, creator, but you thought of the father. And why wouldn't you? Luke 11. And it's more of Abba, daddy, welcoming me in. We can just talk about anything. All right. So the way in which your mind begins to think about a question like that probably reveals a lot about the way in which you view God, which is probably right, but taken to the extreme may limit other aspects of God. Another thing that I think we do when we hear a question like that is we're so burdened to give the right answer that instead of sitting with the question, we run to people who have already answered it. And so we we move quickly, especially in a church like ours, towards who can I quote, who sounds the most godly, who sounds the most right, who sounds the deepest, Who might nobody else have read or heard that will make me sound as if I know more about prayer? And we actually don't answer the question for ourselves. I don't want you to do that. In fact, this morning, I'm not going to give you my answer. Do you know why? I'm still in process. I'm about three weeks in to what I think is going to be a question that I sit in all summer. Why pray? Now, I'm going to give you hints. I'm going to express certain things. But brothers... You, as a believer, or a man who's maybe on his way to becoming a believer, you ought to be able to give a concise, meaningful, intimate question to the answer, why pray? And what I am praying for, you and all of us that that go through this this summer, is that you're going to sit with this question and that the Lord is going to, as you pray, reveal something to you that becomes a statement that is meaningful because if it doesn't happen your prayer is going to be less than what I believe God would desire it's going to be as if you're living vicariously through someone else's experience someone else's writing as opposed to just being able to say here is the answer to why pray that the Lord has given me it's just a deep question but on the surface it doesn't appear that deep It just appears like a good introduction to a series on prayer it's much more than that that's how i was rebuked why pray so i want you to begin to think about prayer as what we're told is a means of grace so the means of grace in our tradition the word of god the sacraments and prayer prayer is the means of grace that god has given his people for all time there were generations Thousands of years where people did not have the Word of God in their hands where they could read it, okay? Um, We all have it. We have it on our devices. We have it in a book form. Um, We have Bibles all over our homes. But for generations, people didn't have it. They still had the Word of God. It was passed down through oral tradition. But they always had the same access to the throne, the same access to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we have now. It's no different, Though the printing press was invented, though the Bible's still being translated into languages, we're hoping that it will get to every tribe and tongue and nation, prayer hasn't changed. Isn't that amazing? It's never, it's just not different. It's always been the same. And we pray in the name of Christ with His you know, uh, profound statement that He lives to intercede on our behalf. The Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. But prayer really has never been, never been different. It's always been access to the throne. So why... Why pray? O. Halsby writes the book called Prayer. And he says, I don't know of a verse that speaks more about prayer in the whole Bible. Now, I, I saw the verse that he s- selected, and I, I struggled with what he said. You know what verse he picked? Revelation 3.20. Did anybody say that at their table? I'm just curious. I've done this before and, and never once. And it could be a, an audience of 10 or, or 500 Never once did anybody say Revelation 3.20. So imagine you're a theologian, and he he was a Dutch theologian, very biblical. You're writing a book on prayer, and you're looking for that text, and he comes up with Revelation 3.20. Some of you know it by heart. It's a verse you might use in evangelism. It says, Behold, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and meet with him and he with me. He says more than any other v- verse in the whole Bible, this, this says more about prayer. Does that strike you as odd? It's okay to say yes. It was a man's opinion, I believe, led by the Spirit. But I think he's on something. He's not saying that it teaches us more about the way to pray. He's just saying this verse says more about prayer. And I'm going to tell you why I think he does it or uses it. In that picture... We have the God of the universe. Just think about that. The one true creator and sustainer of all things. And the image is that he is knocking on the door of his people's hearts. So who's initiating the conversation? Who's initiating the work? God. So God-centered prayer. He is the one knocking, he is seeking. Then a person hears that, and when the illumination of the Holy Spirit's at work, irresistible grace presents itself, and believers, true believers, will open that door, and then they will enter into, and how does he describe it? Uh, A meal with God. Now, in a few minutes, when we break into small groups, I'm going to give you a couple of questions. This question is one you hear a lot. And that is, if you could have a meal with any living person, who would it be? So just think about that right now. How many of you know already who it would be? You'd have a meal with any living person, who would it be? Has anybody got one? Come on. Is there Robert Redford? All right. He's, that's great. I, I think I heard that. Over here. John Bogle. John Bogle. Trump. Anybody else? My oldest son. son. I I love that. Who's that? Warren Buffett. Okay, now, everybody has one. Some of you were, you know, about to say something, and then I made fun of Robert Redford. You're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying mine. My wife. (laughs) Um, This is being taped, John. Um, Now, Similar question, but a little different. If you could have a meal with someone who is guaranteed to change your life, who's living, who would that be? Was it the same person? Are you about to wear a bracelet that says, what would Robert Redford do? You know, I don't know who said it, so I'm sorry. Um, Is it the same person? Maybe, but probably not. But here's the deal. Why pray? Because the God of the universe who made you and everything you see this morning and everything you are going to see the rest of your life, the God of the universe who made you, who wove you together in your mother's womb, who is sustaining you, who governs and controls all of his creatures and all their activities has knocked on the door of your heart. And he is alive. Some of you would have said, well, I would have said Jesus, but he's not alive. Oh, yes, he's alive. He's more alive than anyone you see right now. Who can change your life? Jesus, the one true living God. He actually is the only one. Why pray? Because the God of the universe loves you so much that in spite of your sin and your rejection, the fact that you were called a God hater like me, he says, I want you. And I don't want you just for salvation sense where you can say, OK, my name was written in heaven. I said the prayer. Of I want to be intimate with you. I want to impress upon you my presence. I want to give you the marks of a true disciple, which means you're being made like my son. Why pray? Because you can't have a meal ever with anyone like the one you're praying to. That's important, and we miss it. We, we just do. We, we move towards formulas, and they're not bad. We need those things. We move towards structures. We move towards trying to have the right answer, and we should. But we can easily miss what's happening. That when we pray, we are in communion with the Lord God Almighty. Isn't that amazing? Why? Why pray? So that's what the Lord began to do in my heart. He began to to unravel how quick I was to think about the best quotes I know on prayer. And I know a lot. I've read so many books on prayer. But the best books written on prayer eventually tell you to put the book down and stop reading and start praying. The Word of God says pray without ceasing. It doesn't say read without ceasing. It doesn't say think without ceasing. It certainly doesn't say speak without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Why pray? Because when you're praying, you are in intimate communion with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When you pray, you are having a conversation in the fellowship of the perfect fellowship, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why pray? Because when you're praying, you are admitting that you have confident access to the Holy of Holies because of our high priest who's living to intercede on our behalf. Why pray? Because whether you're behind your steering wheel or on top of a mountain or kneeling down next to someone's bed, you're in the same communion with the same presence and the same power of the living God. So all of the answers that you gave and would give to answer that question, why pray, are probably really good in biblical answers. But sit with the question a little while longer. Sit with it and let the intimacy and the transcendence and the power and presence of God come to bear on this communion, on this meal, on this image that I am eating with. God Almighty. Isn't that awesome? So why pray? I want to encourage you over the next six weeks, maybe the whole summer, sit with God on that question. Imagine you're across the table from him or in your living room or on a mountain, wherever you want. But imagine you're in that conversation with him and listen for his answer to why pray. Here's a couple things that he's given me so far. And this is just in process. When I pray, and especially when I pray the word of God, I am remembering who he is. And I've already demonstrated that. And I am remembering who I am. So just for a minute, and I want you to raise your hand to give an answer. Who is he? Who is the one who's knocking on the door of my heart? Who is God? Just raise your hand and give an attribute. Give a descriptor of who he is. Omniscient. Omniscient. Let's just go through the omnis real fast. Omni means all. We're taught that God's attributes are omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. What are a few others? Omnipotent Omnipotent means all what? Powerful. Omnipresent Omnipresent means he's everywhere present. What else? Friend. Friend. Now You know what's really cool about the word omni? Is you can put it in front of any of the attributes that you're going to list. Not just those three or four. It's pretty cool. Like omni-loving, omni-grace. It's really amazing. Just, just think about that. That word is an awesome word. All right. Anything else somebody want to add? Author and Perfector of my faith. Author and perfecter of my faith. God is love. God is love. Straight from the word of God. Holy. Holy. Holy, holy, holy. Set apart. Unlike any others. That's why when you consider a meal... You're with the holy of you're with God. You're in communion with God. He's perfect. He's perfect. Omniperfect. How fun is that? Creator. Creator. Lover of my soul. Lover of my soul. Sustainer. So you, you get it. When we pray, we're in communion with the God who tells us who He is. Now, who are we? <clears throat> Servant. Servant. Sinful. Beloved, needy. needy. Mago day. Say again? Mago day. Yes. Friend. Friend. What did you say, Clay? Chosen. Chosen. Oh. Huh. Child. Child. Sheep. Sheep. What you're describing, in a beautiful way, is the, the, paradox of, what Jack said, the beloved, and what somebody over here said sinner. Because it's true, isn't it? We are still sinful creatures choosing to reject God and run towards sin. But we're also his beloved, forgiven, covered in the righteousness of Christ. You know, God doesn't have that. When we think about the person of, of God, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that still in process. He is complete and he is perfect. No improvement can be made. No decision he's ever made is wrong. But on our side, we're, when we pray, we're reminded that these things are true of us along the journey. He's the author of our faith. So there's the beginning mark. And then he's the perfecter, which means that he's sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus. Why pray? Because he makes us more like his son. How does he make us more like his son? Because he is revealing to us things about his nature and things about our nature, things about our need, things about who we are. So this is the way I'm thinking about it right now. When when I pray, I'm communing with the perfect fellowship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The the Savior is living to intercede on my behalf. So is the Holy Spirit. They're going to the Father because they love me. The Father hears my prayers through through the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's remarkable to me. And what the Lord is doing in prayer is he is impressing up on our souls who he is. But he's also impressing up on our souls who we are in him. That's really important. Very, very important. And Here's why. The things that you mentioned in terms of why you pray, I'm sure around the table, I heard some of them. You mentioned things like peace. You mentioned healing. You mentioned a lot of things that we need in prayer because we still live in in this fallen world and we're still on our way as we're being sanctified, right? That's just part of the journey. Prayer reminds us of our limits. Prayer reminds us that we are not God. Prayer reminds us of our need. And the more desperate the need, the situation, the more intimate, the more intense, uh, the prayer. You even see that in our posture, right? I've never gone into a, a dire situation with someone where, you know, life and death was in the balance. And people are just like, hey, have a seat. Let's just kind of get casual and pray. There's an urgency to it. When there's an urgency, what changes in our prayer? Posture. Even biblically, when Paul says things like, I kneel before the Father. In, in those times, the primary way of praying certainly wasn't sitting But it also wasn't kneeling. It was standing. And so the lower you got to the ground, the more intense the prayer became. So when Paul in Ephesians speaks about kneeling before the Father, he is in a desperate place pleading for God's people. And you have that happen at times in your life where you're like, this is so serious, I need to kneel. Do you know if you kneel or or don't, it doesn't change the prayer? It doesn't. Posture is not a biblical mandate that says, unless you do it this way, but we're tempted to think that way, aren't we? What it does demonstrate is we're just desperate. I'm going to China in a few weeks. Four trips ago to China, we lost a girl in the Forbidden City. There was a hundred thousand, maybe probably close to a million people touring this place, and this one girl just didn't pay attention to the rules, and she got lost. She's about 5'4", long black hair, dark skin, looked just like all the other million people that were there. We couldn't find her. I literally sent teams out to look, and I laid down on the ground just before the Lord and just begged Him, help us find her. And we did. We did, and it was a beautiful reunion. I was desperate Had I stood and prayed, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have been any different. The impact was on me, not upon God's willingness to answer my prayer. That's important. But when we pray, what we're experiencing is the powerful presence of God, not just in mind, but in reality, in our life, impressing himself upon us. A lot of times what leads us to prayer is anxiety. True or false? True or false. Okay, so listen to this definition of anxiety. Let it begin to inform a little bit about why you pray because I think it's important. First, why do we get why do we become anxious? I believe anxiety is born in us when we are confronted with pain or the potential of pain. When we're confronted with pain or the potential of pain and our own limited ability to deal with it. So let's talk about our limits for a minute. We have limited knowledge. And so we get anxious. We have limited presence. You see that with young parents and older parents. You can't be everywhere your children are. So you you're not omnipresent. You have limited presence. You have limited power. The times which we drop to our knees or lay flat is when we really realize our limits. I can't make the disease go away. I can't cause the depression to be lifted. I can't make the the decision that this company has made be different. So we are confronted with our limits. And when we are anxious, what we are practicing is meditation. And we're meditating upon the circumstance of that pain or potential pain and our limited ability to do anything about it. We play it over and over in our mind. What if? What if? What if? And when that happens, Rick Lehman says it this way, we close our ears, we close our eyes, and our mind goes crazy. Now take biblical meditation. Biblical meditation moves from that place of meditating upon the circumstance of pain or potential pain and my own limits to do anything about limited ability to do anything about it. And it focuses on God. Now, remember, in prayer, you're in communion with this perfect fellowship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All the attributes you, you listen listed. So here we are. We're meditating upon and we're in communion with the one who made you, the one who all these things. And what happens is we begin to have his character and attributes bought, brought to our mind. And suddenly, instead of focusing on the circumstance of pain or potential pain and our limits, we're now focusing on God, who has no limits. So think about it. You can't be everywhere you would like to be in order to enact something positive, at least in your mind. Can you? But what is God? All, All present. You have a maybe your, your parents are aging and they don't live in the same city and you're not there to see everything that's going on. Maybe your children have have left and they're gone for the summer or, you know, they're, they're a young couple and there's a struggle. You can't be there every day. Or maybe they're even local, but you don't find a lot of hope and peace in what's going on in their life. You can't be there every day. Who is perfectly present? God, because he's omnipresent. How many of you are facing a decision today or this week? where you, you know you severely lack knowledge and wisdom. Raise your hand. That's a lot of people, a lot of us. And there's probably more than one decision like that. So you have a choice. Meditate upon what you don't know and the fear that you feel in that or meditate upon the one who's omniscient. To make omniscient sound more intimate, Tell this to God. There's nothing you can learn. I love that. How many things can you learn about your wife, your children, your future, your coworkers, your employees, your employer, your neighbors, yourself? Think about that. That list could go on and on. There is nothing that God can learn about you or any situation you're facing today, June 13th or next year or in 10 years, all the way into eternity. That's amazing, isn't it? The God who is omniscient is knocking on the door of your heart, longing to impress who he is upon you. You see your limits, you see pain and potential pain, There's nothing the Lord can learn about that. Let's keep going for a couple minutes. Do you have limited power? We all do, don't we? And we try to pursue power money, connections, relationships, gifts, whatever. It's all limited. Somebody said they wanted to potentially have, you know, lunch with Warren Buffett. He's got some monies. But it can all be measured. One way or another, given enough time, every cent can be measured. We can't measure the power of God. It is beyond measure. Love. Does your love have limits? Take the person or people that you love the most... Does your love have limits? Do you ever get to the point where you know you still love them, but you're not acting like you do? It's hard to love because of an unlovely gesture or a decision. God's love has no limits. Maybe another way of saying it that's a little more intimate. Why pray? If God could love you more, he would. But he can't. How come? How come? Tell me. Because his love is perfect and perfection means it cannot be improved upon. We say things all the time like, oh, that was perfect. No, it wasn't. It was maybe close. It was maybe really good, but only only God is perfect. He cannot be improved upon. Okay, it's time for me to stop. So here's the questions. Our first, the question. Why pray? I don't want you to answer that around the table right now. I want you to sit with the question. I I want you to sit with the question all summer. And it would warm my heart in six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks if you would send your answer to Pat. And Pat will edit those and give me the ones that are the best. Really, I would be honored if you'd send it to Pat and to me because I think it's going to be really beautiful. But let me caution you. Don't run just to the thoughts of being right or to trying to impress. Sit on the question. And it's okay to say, Here's where I'm at right now. This is what the Lord's showing me in prayer. I pray because. One of the traps I think we get into is we try to say everything that could be said. You don't need to. Your answer can even change. But why pray is a wonderful question because it's going to remind you of who you are in Him and the one you're praying to. Surround your tables right now. I really would like for you to answer just a couple of questions. The first one is this, why did you come this morning? Two, what do you think about sitting on this question, why pray? Does that make sense? Don't look for the perfect answer. Just share your process. And three. Sorry. Yes. So first question, why are you here? Second question, what do you think about sitting on this question? Why pray? You might not like it. You might love it. You might be somewhere in between like, I don't even know what that's going to look like. That's all all good but I think it's really, really important. What, what would it look like in a couple months to have 50 or 60 answers from this group of men? I think that'd be pretty incredible. Why pray? All right, I'll pray and then let y'all go. Lord, thank you so much for prayer. Thank you for what your word says. Thank you for O'Halsby who brought this idea of Revelation 3.20 saying so much about prayer as he focuses on the intimacy that we have with you in communion, as you knock on the doors of our heart. Thank you for pursuing us. And God, thank you so much for bringing so many men out this morning. I'm so encouraged. I pray for them now as they talk, that fear of man would dissipate, that the awe and wonder of who you are, that you're in this room, but you're also transcendent beyond what we can even imagine. I pray, God, that you would impress that upon us and that you would use this summer truly to make us more like Jesus and more intimate with you. Reveal to us again, even in these closing minutes, the power of your presence, of your character, of your will, and teach us, Lord, what it means to be in communion with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless, brothers.